Welcome back to the Life is Not Meaningless podcast. This week we ask ourselves, if there's any difference between doing what's right and doing what's wrong? Or is the life of the fool just as valuable as the life of the wise man? We'll talk about it. Life is not meaningless, folks, and what you do today might just matter. Let's take a look at Ecclesiastes to find out why. Our text today is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. It reads, So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. For the wise person has his eyes in his head. But the fool walks in darkness. And yet, I perceive the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. As we approach the words of the preacher today, we see him comparing two different ways of life, and that is the way of wisdom and the way of a foolishness. And what he's doing is he's comparing them and trying to discover is one really better than the other. And if you remember, this is quite interesting because our preacher friend, he's been pursuing wisdom, trying to, to use wisdom to give meaning to his life. So we get kind of the sense that maybe he's doubting wisdom. And he, he's comparing it with foolishness to see is it really better. But what he finds is quite interesting because he says there is a natural benefit to wisdom. He says in verse 13, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So when he compares wisdom with foolishness, he finds that one is naturally better. There's more to gain from wisdom. Now, the way he explains this is he says that wisdom is like light and foolishness is like darkness. Uh, To kind of take this metaphor a little bit of a step further, we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 4 verses 18 through 19. It uses the same metaphor of light and dark. Um, It reads, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So in this verse here in Proverbs, as we compare wisdom with wickedness, wisdom with foolishness, it could also say uh, it's more than just light and dark. But now we're walking. And, And it says that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, 
They do not know over what they stumble. So why is wisdom better? Why is there more to gain? Why is wisdom like walking in the light? Well, the truth is that when you walk in wisdom, and remember, this is not just any wisdom. This is the wisdom of God, the, the man who fears the Lord, who, who honors God's ways, who studies God's word and walks in God's wisdom, walks in the light because they're able to see the things that are going to cause them to stumble. The things in the road that are going to trip them up and lead them into ways of pain and hardship. Whereas the foolish person is walking in the dark and they're not able to see the things that are going to cause them to stumble. Their eyes aren't in their head. They walk in darkness. So when you're a fool, there's a lot of things that are invited into your life that cause you pain, things that could have been avoided. So that is why wisdom is naturally better, is, has, is naturally has more to gain than foolishness. The problem, though, and that the preacher realizes is even though that wisdom has more to gain, it's still not worth pursuing. It's still not pushing all worth pushing all your life towards and the reason is that in the end the wise person and the foolish person suffer the same fate he reads in verse 14 and yet i perceive that the same event happens to all of them then i said in my heart what happens to the fool will happen to me also why then have i been so very wise and I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies, just like the fool. You see, what the preacher is wrestling with, and he's, he's seeing that because we all die, and remember this is not just a random death, but it's a death that we have been subjected to because of sin, because of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Because we all die, pursuing wisdom doesn't, isn't better than pursuing foolishness. And there's no point to avoiding the things that seem pleasurable in the foolish life. Because remember, there are things that foolishness offers you. There's pleasure. There's guiltless selfishness. There's drunkenness. All these things that the wise life is forced to avoid because they see the pain that it can bring. But with pain, it also does bring pleasure. So what's the point of avoiding that pleasure if we're all going to die? And the preacher, he makes the statement that there is no purpose in avoiding it. If we all suffer the same fate, then it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're wise or you're a fool because death is what everyone earns in this life. Now, if you're the believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he rose from the grave, then you know that this isn't where it ends, that there is something after death. But before we get there, I, I want us to kind of 
answer this question of wisdom versus foolishness in two different ways. And the first is to address a verse found in Revelations chapter 2, verse 14, which reads, But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So, in order for this verse to make any sense whatsoever, you have to understand the story from which it's coming from. So, in Numbers chapter 22, we found the story of Balaam and King Balak. So, King Balak, he saw that the nation of Israel was coming across the land and conquering kingdom after kingdom, and that God was using them in incredible ways. And he, he heard the stories of how Israel ransacked Egypt and all the plagues that God did and the miracles. And he saw that he was next in line, that his kingdom was next to be destroyed. So in order to protect himself, he went to the oracle Balaam. And Balaam was a famous man who he was popular for getting the gods to do what he wanted them to do. So Balak goes to Balaam and he asked Balaam to curse the nation of Israel because he didn't want to be destroyed. Now, interesting enough, God intervenes and he tells Balaam that if you curse Israel, I'm going to kill you. And because Balaam doesn't want to die, instead of cursing them, he ends up blessing them three times. And it's a very interesting story. You should read it. Um, I've skipped over a lot of details to summarize, um, but it is an incredible story of how God uses really a sinful man to bless Israel. Now, the reason we bring up this story is because of what happens next. You see, what we learn from Revelations is that afterwards, Balaam went back to King Balak. And he told him that we can't curse Israel. God's not going to let that happen. But there is another way that you can destroy them. If you can convince the men of Israel to eat food sacrificed with idols and to engage in sexual relations with temple prostitutes, then God himself will destroy them. And you know, the scary thing is that he was right. We learn in the book of Numbers that thousands upon thousands of people died from a plague that God sent on the nation of Israel because they chose to compromise their morality. They chose to dip their fingers in foolishness and give in to sin. So when we ask ourselves, why does it matter if you do what's right or wrong? Why does it matter if, if you do what is wise or what is foolish? You have to understand that there is a, a strategy of the devil. There is an enemy that is getting you, trying so hard to get you to compromise on what's right. Because if he can get you to compromise, just maybe he can make you an enemy of God. Revelations chapter 2, it continues on, and he says, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to the church, Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. See, Jesus is telling this church, Repent of your sin. If you don't, 
then you will be my enemy. So this is the first reason of why, why we choose wisdom in all circumstances. Not only because it has more to gain, but as the believer, we want to be on God's team, God's side, and we, we don't want to be an enemy of God. But there's a second reason. And we're going to find this second reason in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 15. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is wrestling with kind of this idea that death makes life meaningless. It makes wisdom and foolishness meaningless. And the reason he's writing this is because the church in Corinth was struggling with the idea that there wasn't anything after death. They didn't believe in a resurrection. So in other words, they thought that once you died, that was it. There was no afterlife, no heaven, no hell, just lost. And and Paul passionately refutes this idea. And he starts in verse 12, he says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, when Paul argues for life after death, and he argues that there is a resurrection, he makes the statement in verse 19 that if, if all we have is this life, then we're to be pitied. See, he makes the statement that wisdom is not worth pursuing if all you have is now. And he even goes on to say in verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Meaning, if you're not going to be raised from the dead, you might as well pursue foolishness. Enjoy it while you can. But we do know that there is life after death because Christ was risen from the grave. And that is the evidence, the proof to us that we also, if we believe in him, if we believe in Jesus, we will be raised just as he was raised. So why pursue wisdom instead of foolishness? Why do what is right instead of what is wrong? Well, the answer is first, that we don't want to become enemies of God, but also that we know one day we will meet Jesus Christ. We know that death is not the end for us. We know that this is just a temporary experience here and we have all of eternity to be in the presence of God. And when we meet our King, when we meet our Savior, we wanna be found as servants who were wise, who are diligently pursuing his ways and not foolishness. The Apostle Paul, he continues on in 1 Corinthians, uh, just the last few verses for you. He starts in verse 53 or 54. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Life is not meaningless. And what you do today matters. It matters that you pursue wisdom. It matters that you avoid foolishness and sin. And when you compromise on your morality, when you compromise on what is true, we become enemies of God. We, and we avoid the truth that Jesus Christ is coming. We, we neglect him. So I encourage you, brothers, sisters, be steadfast. Be immovable. Abound in the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. Death is not the end. Christ is returning.